0: Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business.
1: In the official podcast of Asbo International.
0: The official podcast, yes, of Asbo International. And I am Dr. Jack Ryan Mitchell, here along with the esteemed... John Bricado. John Bricado. I thought you paused too long I thought you forgot your name. <laughs> nah, just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like, do listen, forget it. Listen, we have time. so
0: much fun in this every week. It, it's like, it just... Um, it just amazes me, you know, for us to be able to just not only get immersed in ourselves um, and learn and meet people, right? Network just keeps growing, but to really provide something that's tangible for our listeners. And also I think that the stories help too, that, that sense of like, you know, learning, but beyond that, having that moment to just kind of hear and relate to something, um, you know, that we're all going through as SPOs. So um, we have another, huge, I mean, legendary figure um, as of a national. Um, I can't say more enough. I'll let you go ahead and, and put into context. Yeah, talk,
1: talk about some really inspiring stories. Today we have Dr. Anthony Dragona. He is the School Business Administrator at Union City Board of Education in Union City, New Jersey. And it is just an amazing conversation that we have with him today, all about his going to school in the district in which he works, working his way up through the education side and eventually transitioning over to being the school business official. And it's just really fascinating to hear his journey and really his passion yeah. for, for the industry and how much he loves the work that he does with ASBO International, his district, his state organization. So we really hope you enjoy this conversation today. I know we did. And here's our conversation with Dr. Anthony DeGrona. Today in the podcast, we have Dr. Anthony Dragrona, School Business Administrator at the Union City Board of Education in New Jersey. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you.
2: Hi, how you doing today? It's great to be here.
1: Yeah, great to have hey you Anthony, on. Yeah. well, actually, actually, we should formally say Dr.
0: Dragona, right? But I guess you'll let us call you Tony or Anthony is fine. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Tony you works Tony.
2: well.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Great. So, you know what? We're excited here because um, one of the things that, um, obviously, meeting any peer in... Uh, as with a national is great. Um, but you know, knowing how enriched you've been over the years and being right next to us, you're a neighbor, you're our first from New Jersey. So it's so yeah, great yeah. to have somebody in the tri-state area, if you will, but different. Cause, um, we've, we've obviously started off with folks in New York and, uh, we progressed, as you know, throughout the country and in the world, but to have a neighbor like you was great. So I'm um, really excited. So, um, as anyone else, as you know, if you heard before the podcast, um, we want to get our, our listeners a sense of who we have on. And uh, with that, could you, you know, maybe tell us a little about yourself, you know, your background, experience, and I guess how you've arrived at this
2: um, point in your career? Okay, well, um, this is my uh, 47th year. Uh, Wait, hold up, 47? Uh, Forty seven.
1: Tony, I think you hold a record now.
2: Uh, <laughs> the I don't know, but, you know, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you at all, and I, I hate right? doing that.
0: But 47 years? That's it really impressive. My 47th at.
2: year, uh, working wow. for the wow. Union City Board of Education. I was a student in the school district, uh, went to a, a local state college, and came back as a social studies teacher. Uh, mm. Then uh, I, I became a social studies teacher and an assistant athletic director. I then became an elementary school principal, uh, then on to uh, assistant principal for our two high schools at that time, doing student data, uh, scheduling, grade reporting, uh, sort of when when those things were somewhat in their infancy. Uh, And then in uh, 1998, I became the school business administrator. uh, And um, coming from the education side, uh, and not from maybe the accounting side or the accounting profession, I believe that that gave me a very keen understanding of maybe what students okay. need and 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 what uh, what the district needs from an educational perspective. We all have to submit Certainly. a balanced budget. Right. So, you know, that's that, that's sort of a task that that we have to get through. Uh, but when you could balance the budget on the hearts and minds of our students, the parents and the community, I think that makes it a little bit uh, easier to sell.
1: So as you said, coming from the education side, what really piqued your interest in the business side? Because there are some similarities, but typically vastly different.
2: Well, you know, I, I, I was always intrigued by uh, management and leadership, right? You know, so so uh, being a school business official, it gives you the opportunity to, to manage so many different aspects uh, of, of a child's education or the district's education. And then uh, through some of that, uh, you can emerge as a leader within your district based maybe sometimes on experience, sometimes on the challenges or the tasks that you were able to undertake and and uh, put together a plan and, and build a team.
1: That's great. That's great. And as you were giving us your background, you did mention, which is pretty cool, that you were a student in the same district in which you're working now. So can you dive into that a little bit further? What's it like working in the same community that you've been a part of essentially your entire life and career and have there been like some pros and cons to that and I I guess what do you think would be different as opposed to a school business official that works in a district a neighboring district or further away from where they went to school
2: well you know I I I guess the you always have that comparison of uh of how things were when when I was a student there uh and Mm -hmm. um and you I always sort of look back and smile as to where we've where we've come, right? Well, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's been over 40 years, so obviously there's been a lot wow. of progress, right? Whether it be in, in food service. So like now in our high school, and, and our food service program is something I'm, I'm very passionate about. Uh, but you know, you see that in, the, uh, in our food service program right now at our high school, we have 3,000 students. We have like six different opportunities for them to choose from the menu. Whereas when I was back in, in high school in, in Union City, we had one option, you know, and you know, on that day it was it Big was difference. it was hamburgers, right? And you know, <laughs> you had either a hamburger or a hamburger, right? Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Do you exactly. remember what your
1: your favorite school lunch was when you went to school? <laughs> well, yeah, it was
2: hamburger, <laughs> <laughs> hamburger. That's why you that
1: one up. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and I don't great. mean to go down a rabbit hole. Are the hamburgers better now or? Both oh many, yeah, many, you know. People. So
2: now, now at our high school, they have a build-your-own burger station. So what's happening oh, awesome. is oh, awesome. the burgers are coming off the grill and put on the bun. Uh, you know, all full grain bun, and the students obviously are, healthy
0: options. Yeah, the <laughs> students are
2: able to pick. You know, what toppings they want, and it, you know, from from the grill to the to the students' plate, it's it's less than five minutes. You know, so that makes wow. it exciting. You know, uh, yeah. and you know, you always try to build upon that, and you try to take into consideration. You know, maybe the different um, dietary requirements that our students have today that they're so much more focused on. Yep. Maybe we have a greater diversity of religions now than we had when I was in school. So you have to True. be somewhat, uh, you know, cognizant of those things and, and, and you want to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, provide for, for your whole population. So I think that that's, that's an important aspect of things that we do as well.
1: And would you? Are you happy with how the trajectory has gone since you being a student to where you are now? Are you proud of the progress that Union City has made?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm very proud because uh, there there are times when I when I meet my my uh, classmates from from high school that we graduated with. We just recently had our 50th reunion, and uh, you know, hearing them, you know, talk about. The way school is now in Union City, they always say, gee, you know, I wish we would have had this when we were in school. We wish we would have had that, you know, and that goes the whole spectrum, right? From from technology, you know, when, when we were in school, technology was like, you know, a film strip projector. Right. You know, yeah. And, and, yeah. and now, you know, now <laughs> they have, you know, either either Chromebooks or, or MacBook Airs or, or iPads in their hand and they're Internet, you know, interacting over the Internet. Uh, and and drawing down content, educational content that's much more rich, more vibrant, more engaging. You know, so uh, there are a lot of changes, even from a facility standpoint, right? So, you know, when when I was at the high school, the high school was built probably for 750 students. And when I was there, we probably had about 900. But before we merged high schools and we got a new high school in 2009, there are 1,100 students in that building, you know? So, so we were very crowded, but you know, the Mm -hmm. beauty of Union City is how all of our students and the community come together and support each other. I think that's, that's really what energizes me and, and it keeps me excited about going to work every day. I see. Wow.
0: Well, that is, I mean, you have really seen it all. That is really something special there, Tony. So, you know, John and I were always hearing these stories, right? Um, and uh, so we actually heard a story that in your district, which is now about 16,000 kids, right, roughly, would you say?
2: Uh, yeah, right now we're probably about 14,000 when we, when we okay. add in okay. our uh, our preschool three- and four-year-olds, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, pretty much like before, as you had expanded, you said in 2009 with the high school, you're somewhere in a limited space. Yes. So I guess, are there playing fields located on the roof of the building? And if if so... How'd you ever manage that? I mean, what process did you have to go through to even make that happen? I mean, I get listen, space is space, one thing, but that is so creative. We just had to just um, ask you.
2: Yeah, talk about maximizing space. Yeah, it's the real deal, and you know, you know what it is is that you know Union City is a mile and a quarter uh, in in land area. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. probably about seventy thousand residents. We don't have a waterfront. We don't have railroad or heavy industry. It's mostly uh, you know, single family, multifamily dwellings uh, with, you okay. know, with a, a vibrant commercial uh, area, you know, that goes sort of like one one uh, avenue, almost the whole length of the of the community. You know, so uh, if we just step back and we think about uh, in New Jersey, we had the Abbott decision, which was the Supreme Court decision that sort of goal was to level the funding between the wealthier school districts and the most uh the lowest socioeconomic districts and it did three things so it leveled it attempted to level funding it provided free three and four year old education and it also said that the state was going to build all of our schools so they drew the abbott decision they selected 30 districts in new jersey union city was fortunate to be one of them so uh we built probably uh from that time about 400 million dollars worth of uh school facilities. So one of the aspects of that was what they called um, a demonstration project. So they would take an area of the community and they would try to build something that uh, the neighborhood would, you know, uh, become a little bit more vibrant. People would paint up, clean up, fix up their homes. Uh, So we had the opportunity to build a new high school. And because of the land and being that it was so uh, densely populated, we can go up. But if I go out, then I'm taking almost a whole block of tax rateables. You know, so we had to be creative. And that's what we did. So right now, our athletic field is uh, on the third floor of the school. And uh, it's adjacent. We have a four-story instructional wing that sort of, um, you know, goes around the perimeter. Uh, But below that, we have our cafeteria, we have our gymnasium, we have uh, what we might have called ancillary spaces, you know, but there's also a lot of instruction going on in those spaces as well. Because when we opened our high school in 2009, there were 1800 students and it was a 10th, 11th and 12th grade. And today it's a 9th, 10th, 11th and 12th grade with about 30, uh, about 3030 students. So it's a tight building. It's congested. Uh, but we have mm. the ability to provide all the necessary services. And we just have great students that even though it's a tight, it's a it's a, a con- maybe congested at times, certainly when the bell rings, you travel in the hallways. But, you know, mm. the students are so caring and and part of the school community in so many ways that it's it's a wonderful place. And Make it might, work. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's times, you know, you know, we all have those days, right? You know, where, you know, whether it's working on the budget or working on some problem solving and you just sort of get to that point. And when I need to be refreshed, I'll just say to my, my staff, I'll be back. And they always look at me and say, where are you going? To the high school? And I say, yep. And I get to the high school nice. and you're able to interact with the students. And and I, I'm there quite a bit. So many of them know me by name or at least maybe out of respect. They stop by and say, hello, how you doing? So it's just a great environment to be in. And, and you know, I always I always uh, look back upon that. And, and that's what makes it so engaging. That's what keeps me so excited about what we're doing there.
1: Of course, that's your home. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And speaking of looking back, we just wanted to dive in more on just really your impressive career. You've been a past president of the New Jersey ASBO. You've been past president of ASBO International. And- as we understand it, you're the first school business administrator in your district and have been sustaining that for over the past 20 years. So can you talk to us a little bit about what defines your career and what makes you most proud of, you know, this historic career that you've had in school business?
2: I I think so much of, as I look back on, on, on my career, uh, I'd have to say it's all about relationships, right? Um, You know, being a, a social studies teacher and then an elementary principal to assistant principal at high school, becoming a business administrator, um, at a time when in New Jersey the Abbott ruling was just being implemented, there are times when, you know, the, the script or the guidelines sometimes miss a few points. So, you know, you have to be able to have people that you can contact and talk to and, and go through some what-if scenarios. So I, I think that initially, uh, my, my involvement with New Jersey ASBO was out of the need to find some support and some answers, right, for this new position that I was in at a time in which they, there was new legislation that we were implementing, right? So uh, at an early uh, stage, when we had our New Jersey conference, I used to try to have at least one separate meeting or two, like workshops for my contemporary, my other 30 Abbott business officials, so that we could talk about some of the things that were maybe a little bit more specific to us. So then you started to build that network, right? And then uh, from there, I realized that, uh, you know, New Jersey Asbo was a great resource for me to become more involved in. So, you know, I, I went through those chairs, and, you know, eventually I, I became the, the president of New Jersey. And at the same time, Becoming involved in Asbo International, which gives you the the bigger picture, right? Because you know when I when I talk to my peers at Asbo International and they hear you know Union City a mile and a quarter, seventy thousand residents, fourteen thousand students, fourteen schools, they're looking at me and they say like like what did you say? You know you know know, (laughs) uh, know, so you know it's for me it's common and for others it's. Maybe bizarre, right? That we have so much going on in such a densely populated area, and then we—I listen to them speak about, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a district in Texas that has 200 miles of school. Uh, I, I listen to my my colleagues in Alaska who who sometimes are flying a plane to get their their students to school, right? Yep. And and I'm I'm worried about a transportation route for you know within Union City transporting some of our Students from uptown to to downtown, which is nothing more than than forty eight blocks, you know. So, you know, it, it's it's different, but you know, you grow from all of that, right? And you know, if we teach our students to be lifelong learners, right? How could we not? So, I've learned so much because of the rich environment of uh, New Jersey, Aspo, but then getting on to the the international perspective of things, um, you know. There's differences, maybe in in geographic uh, areas or or regions, maybe climate, all those things. But but we're all in it for the same reason. That's to provide the best for our kids. So so we all have to find that way to provide the best for our kids. Sort of like we got to play the hand we're dealt with, right? And 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 sometimes we need to run those ideas past our colleagues and our peers. And I think that the environment that ASBO International has, and the, the environment that New Jersey ASBO provides, is a perfect way for a young business administrator um, to have the support that they need as they go forward. And I think that that's a credit. And that's why I believe ASBO International is the, is the premier uh, association really? for, for school business officials. So many resources, so many things that are happening that I think it just provides a very rich environment.
0: We do. We all heartily agree with that, uh, Tony. Um, and it's interesting you, you mentioned Alaska and Texas. We've been uh, we've been venturing there this year as well. Um, and you know what's, what's interesting here, though, I think, you know, you're our East Coast neighbor, right? Yeah. And you're also part of Tri-State. I alluded to that earlier. Um, but I guess there's got to be some differences to a certain degree. Um, and I don't know much about New Jersey. I don't know how much you know about New York. But what do you think you could say about differences between New York and New Jersey school business? I mean, are there any similarities, any differences?
2: Uh, well, you know, I, I, I think that there are certain similarities. I mean, I, I think the one similarity is that uh, maybe the, the, the pace that we that we work in and, uh, you know, maybe I'm not going to say it's impatient uh, at times, but I think that, you know, we, we jump into things and and then we just work on it, you know, to, to try to get it get it done Uh, as quickly and efficiently as possible and i'm not that's not a discredit to any of my colleagues that that are not in the you know the east the new york new jersey metropolitan area right but you know but there's a certain pace that you know that sometimes so know, I, i i've been fortunate that You know, there are times when some of my colleagues from Colorado or or Pennsylvania have come to New Jersey to visit our high school because they can't believe they think I'm just showing a a cartoon of a a football field on the roof. But when they actually come and and they observe it, um, they realize that the pace is a little bit different. Okay, but the one thing, the best thing that I always hear is that, wow, your kids are amazing, you know, and that's because we we we. We try them. We try to have them uh, be respectful all the time, be compassionate to one another, and and that's why you have you know such a uh, an environment where yes, it's crowded, it's congested, but you know when the kids are caring for each other, uh, and I'm not saying you know there there are days when there were some problems, right? I mean, let, let's not sugarcoat everything here. You know, there are days when you know you got to make those tough decisions and you got to dig in, right? Uh, and you got to take care of some some problems that make people uncomfortable when those problems arise. But, you know, when you have, you know, maybe, you know, 3,030 students at the high school or you have an elementary school with 1,100 students, there are things that are going to happen during the course yeah, of the day. Yeah, something's bound to happen, right? Yeah. Right, you know, so. Uh, but now, now I, you know, now I'm, uh, I'm working on the Legislative Advocacy Committee with ASBO International. And uh, it's a great opportunity. And, you know, some, some people will say, well, you know, how do we begin advocating? The reality is that most of us advocate every day, right? We're advocating for our students. We're advocating for parental support. We're advocating for the community support. And and ASBO International and its Legislative Advocacy Committee is taking that to the next level, right? Where we we try to focus on a, a number of issues that we can speak to our legislators uh, at a at a federal level, right? So uh, you know, and we've been very fortunate recently, uh, and unfortunately, as a result of COVID, right, that we've seen this windfall of legislation that's provided a great amount of funding to our districts. Uh, but a, a lot of that, you know, creates another um, another narrative where Oh, schools don't need any more money because they just got this whole amount of money. Well, yes, we we did well. okay. but one of the things that never really addresses was schools infrastructures. Right. Right, So, so, you know, now I know that in in my district, I have 14 schools. I have seven old and I have seven new. So even the new ones require some infrastructure repairs. Right. Like our high school you know, it's, it's been open since 2009, you know, we're replacing the turf on the field. You know, uh, he is. You know, yeah. it, it just happens. Right. And then when you have those older buildings, you know, where you have boilers and ventilation, not air conditioned, there, there's a need for infrastructure funds, you know, to come down our way uh, a little bit more maybe than what the Department of Energy has. They, you know, they have a uh, hundred million dollars, a year for the next five years. But when you spread that out nationwide, right, you know, it it sounds like a big number initially, but you know, once everybody sort of dips their ladle in that bucket, you know, you don't get uh, often, you don't get a lot to drink.
1: Yeah. Those are great points. And I think to your point about the federal funding that we've received, I think sometimes in the community, it's often forgotten that that was a one shot revenue stream, right? So that's not something that we can count on year after year. So Using that funding appropriately and messaging it appropriately can be challenging sometimes. And you know, I think to your point, being able to address infrastructure is going to take more than just a couple of years of you know some injections of funds. So you have to be really strategic about that. Right. So those are really great points, and I couldn't agree more with you on the the points with Asbo International, and not only just bringing the perspective, but being a collective voice for us as school business officials nationwide is just, they're doing an amazing job being able to kind of amplify the message that we're trying to get to, uh, to our legislators. But changing gears a little bit, you've given us an amazing glimpse into your career and in, in the history you've been as a school business official, but what do you think's coming down the line? Like, what do you, what do you think the future holds? What are you excited about? And, you know, just as importantly, what are the challenges that you, you see coming your way?
2: Uh, I, I think one of the most important challenges and i and I really look at it with urgency is the ability for us as an educational community to look at um, social emotional learning and mental health amongst our students and staff um, i i I see uh, on a daily basis you know some some of our staff members um, you see more issues, maybe with, um, you know, uh, with some abuses that, um, you know, I don't want to just give it the easy tag. It's COVID related, right? Because that's a that's a pretty easy. But then again, you know, the reality is that we've never seen anything like that. And the I know the impact in in Union City where we had 360 of our residents who passed. That that takes its toll, right, on on everyone in the community, especially when we're as crowded as we are. So, you know, the student that is walking to school in the morning, and you know, there there may be someone at the window waving to them. Maybe it's a senior, but now all of a sudden that person uh, has passed. So, how do we help the child process that, right? And and so. You know, those are the things where, you know, we, we used to always say, you know, well, you know, we got to give the students breakfast because they got to be ready to learn. Well, that's true. There's no doubt. And we support that. But if we don't make sure that their mental health and our staff' mental health is okay, how do we expect them to function in front of the classroom or in the seat without providing those services that that are needed? So, I know that there's been some funding for that, but you know, I guess that's one of those tough topics that you know, uh, not every family is equipped to address, right? Not every uh, district is equipped to address, but uh, I think that that's something that we really have to focus on. And then the other thing, you know, for for the future, we have to be sure that uh, that our facilities, right, are are able, you know, because our facilities are crowded and, you know. Our enrollment has sort of like leveled off uh, right now, but I would anticipate that that's going to increase again because before COVID, we were probably seeing about a 300 to 400 student growth every year. Now it's somewhat stabilized and it's stabilized in, in a different way. We have the same number of students, but we may have 300 students that did not return and we have 300 new students that come in. And what we see is that the new populations that are coming in have very limited formal education, right? From the countries where they're coming from, the parents are, are very grateful. They're very supportive, but in addition to educating their children, sometimes we have to educate them as to what the expectation is for their child. You know, uh, you know, to be present on a steady and regular basis, right? And then we try to provide the necessary uh, remedial services, whether it you know be maybe port of entry classes. Uh, you know, to try to get the students and the parents a little bit more acclimated. So all of our schools have parent parent liaisons, and what we do is we have parent breakfasts on a monthly basis, where we try to provide them with some uh, information sessions. You know, it gets them into the school, they meet the faculty, they meet the administrators. You know, so we try to pull them into the community, so that uh, that they they continue to be as supportive as they are, and we we'll continue uh continually able to provide the necessary service to their children. And and I think that's one of the things that we have to really, uh, you know, keep up with is the changing uh, demographic of some of our uh, students that are coming into the district.
0: I think you guys are doing a great job. I mean, really what you're seeing is that you're pivoting well, right? And yeah. that's what we all have to do in this time, Like You said since— Post-COVID, it's, it's definitely changed the landscape. So this has been great. As we wind down now here, uh, Tony, we just want you maybe to perhaps offer any advice uh, you can give to any of our SPL peers, whether they're new or seasoned. Well,
2: you know, I I, I think that um, the, the best advice that that I can give would be to get involved, right, at, at any, any level right? Uh, You know, uh, in in New Jersey, we have county affiliates, right? So we have 21 counties in New Jersey. So each county has a county ASBO, right? And then uh, the president then goes on to New Jersey ASBO as a member of the Board of Trustees. So, you know, getting involved, even at your county level, right? You know, that's where you're going to find people from your next district, that you know that have experience, or maybe they've experienced. Maybe they don't have a lot of experience, but they were in your shoes a year ago, and now you're you're uh, you're experiencing a similar uh, need that they may have had. So they're willing to share. Uh, you know, I think that that's an important thing. I think aren't we all mentors every day, right? You know, we have to continue to work to promote our profession, and it's not just promoting it by by putting an ad in the paper and saying or, or on social media look at what we're doing. I think the way you promote it is by being supportive. And if we continue to be supportive to our peers, you know, then we're able to grow the profession, right? And, and they become more willing to get involved because a new business administrator going to the annual state conference with maybe a thousand people, that could be intimidating, but not, it's not as intimidating when they're there. And they see four people from their county. They see some people that they were in their their uh, their coursework uh, that that New Jersey ASBO provides. So you're building these cadre's of, of colleagues that we can continue to help them grow. And 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 I think you look at the resources that the state affiliates and ASBO International have. I think there's a there's a great uh, opportunity for for all business administrators, yes, we depend upon our state affiliate to provide us with the guidance of new state legislation and things like that to, to lobby for us and, and, and make us aware of what's going on. But then it's always good to look at the big picture that ASBO International provides from an international perspective, right, of what's not only what's happening in your state, what's happening across the country, what's happening in our region, then what's happening across the world. So I, I think those are the things that uh, involvement and engagement bring. They, they make us richer. Uh, you know, they, they provide us with opportunities to have conversations with people on the other side of the world. Uh, and, and we're able to make uh, uh, professional acquaintances that we help grow. And, and it, I think it's all pretty cool that we have a professional, a profession such as mm-hmm. ours, Right. That offers those opportunities. But we have but everybody has to take that first step, right? You right, know, right. we could look at it and say, this is all available, and but you know, I I would say you can do it. You know, if if a kid from Union City, New Jersey, all right, can become uh, an Eagle Award winner and ultimately president of Asbo International and now serve as the chairman of the Legislative Advocacy Committee, there's nothing special about me right? Everybody has the core ingredients to do exactly what I did. Maybe it's just a matter of, you know, allocating time. Maybe it's a matter of uh, being able to trust yourself, right? To to take that next step. But once you do, I don't think anybody would regret it.
1: Yeah. Incredibly well said. And I I couldn't agree with you more. The networking and just the sense of community with just your state association and let alone the international. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Association is just incredible. And, you know, just listening to you and hearing you speak today is just really inspiring. And I know this will resonate a lot with our listenership. So Tony, thank you so much for your time today. We're really excited to get this out to everybody. And uh, just again, thank you for joining us and, and just sharing your story.
2: Oh, thank you for all you do. It's a wonderful opportunity. And, and through, you know, through your podcast, I think that that is another example of how our association grows, right? Because you're able to hear from a variety of sources from across the country, across the world, to be able to support us in in the things that we do. You know, we're not in this alone. And, uh, you know, the, the more we reach out, the the, the easier that difficult task appears. Yep, absolutely. all right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so thank much, you. Tony. We have a great it. day.
1: Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. It, really fascinating to hear Anthony's journey and just really? over 40 years in the profession. He's, uh, I think he holds the the title on our, our podcast. Yeah, he's so almost far. 50
0: years, a few years from 50. Yeah, Think about yeah. that. You grow up in the district, you have pretty much every role in the district. You see how a hamburger is made in 1978 <laughs> and then how a hamburger is made in uh, 2020, 2023. Um, it's remarkable. Such an unbelievable story uh, presented today by uh, Tony. I mean, yeah, such yeah. a relatable person. Um, you know, he talked about getting involved in the relationships. And I, I'm i a big believer of that, as I believe you are too, John. I think that, Absolutely. you know, our listeners can really get, get a big sense and, and piece of, of what it is um, to go for that long. And he doesn't seem like he's going to stop anytime soon.
1: No, I don't right? think so. I mean, he's no. enjoying it.
0: And that's great. You know, that's what you want to have that kind of profession where, you know, it's rewarding, right? So um, yeah, listen, this is a gem. Uh, Take it for what it is um, and continue to just uh, listen. Um, We provide so much and we, we thank you though for listening each and every week.
1: Yeah, like Jack said, we appreciate your support and tuning in week after week and we're just love what we're doing and can't wait to bring you more episodes and more stories from our colleagues across the world. So with that, Uh, We look forward to talking to you next week.